5021 David, we got a fender down and two GSWs to the chest. I need you to meet us at Molly's. <laughs> For the most powerful podcast on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, I go by the name of Lorraine Hawkins, and if you're not listening, you obviously ain't learning. Copy that. All sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Happy New Year, Shy Hearts! Welcome to episode. 128 of Meet Us at Molly's. Tonight we're going to cover the episodes that you just watched. So we've got the mid-season premieres. It's 510, 810, and 710. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. I'm a little stuffy. So yes, if I sound weird, that's why. Because I'm sick again. Because I can't seem to get it together. Adulting is the worst. And we were just talking about this, Bryna. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so... We've got some news to start off with, and we've been off the air for, like, what, two weeks now? So, like, we've got a little catching up to do, but it's okay. First bit of news, this came out a couple weeks ago. Jesse Schramm is going to recur on Chicago Med. Now, Jesse Schramm, name might sound familiar. We'll get there in a second. But Schramm will play Dr. Hannah Asher, a brilliant gynecological surgeon with a secret drug addiction. She does her best to pull herself together to be the most impressive and professional doctor she can be, but she's always fighting her demons. Now, if the name sounds familiar, if you ever watched Once Upon a Time, she played Cinderella. Most notably, or most recently, I should say, since there's so much overlap between One Chicago and One Tree Hill, Jesse played opposite Chad Michael Murray in the Hallmark movie Road to Christmas in 2018. Yeah, that's where I know her from. Yeah, I I kind of recognized her from both. I was like, wait a second, she was on Once Upon a Time. Which was such a good show until the very last season. I never watched it. Well, I'm excited to meet Hannah. I mean, we'll see. I'm thinking, based off of this episode of Med, I wonder if she might be a potential love interest for Will. Maybe. That could be interesting. Yeah. I really like the storyline for Will. I mean, we'll get into it, of course, but I really liked it. So, possibly. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So... Brenna, will you take us through the next bit? Um, yes. So we got an interview from Give Me My Remote, and it was with Andy and Diane and the med showrunners. Um, and I think the most interesting thing, and definitely the most important thing from this, is they were teasing the 100th episode, and they were talking about how there will definitely, or it's likely likely that there will be a wedding. Um, They were saying that's where they want to meet um, Dr. Charles' youngest daughter, who he has a very tough relationship with. Um, And they also tease that Crockett and Ethan get like friendly in this episode, not in that way, but friendly. But of course, Ethan doesn't know about the April Crockett kiss. So like, that's a big thing. Um, And then they won't say who's married, but like, you guys also just watched this episode, so I'm pretty sure we would know who is getting married. I mean, God, if Cro- if Ethan finds out about Crockett and April, like, on their wedding day, they might top Manstead for, like, the worst wedding day. 
I was just about to say, does that top Manstead for worst wedding day, if that's how this goes? No, you know, now that I think about it, though, I, I still think Manstead would hold the top spot. I mean, Will basically made her think that he left her at the altar and then showed up with blood all over him. And then Jay was like, yeah, I got to take him to protective custody. Bye. I still think Manstead takes that top spot. I don't know, man. We'll have to see how this plays out, but it's going to be interesting for sure. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the other thing, it could be Maggie and Ben, but, like, uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I'd be down for it if it's Maggie and Ben. I definitely would not complain, like, at all. Um, I just feel like it's kind of obvious, given that what we saw in the mid-season finale, or mid-season premiere for Med, that it's going to be April and Ethan, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Also, you guys are like super sleuths out there because Wolf Entertainment posted something on Instagram the other day and I think it was just like a Happy New Year post and everybody caught like Yaya had like two seconds of just being like Happy New Year and everybody was like, she's wearing a ring. Yeah, and everybody deduced it. So good job. A plus. Well, well, it's so funny too because so we saw these episodes like two weeks before that even dropped. I literally forgot because I had only seen it the one time, I had literally forgot that April and Ethan got engaged. Like, I don't know how I forgot that that happened, but I, like, completely just, like, shut it out of my mind. So then when I saw people talking about it, I was like, oh, I can't believe they actually spoiled it. Like, I guess we're going to see that in a couple weeks. And then I rewatched it to finish the outline, and I was like, oh, we already saw that. Just kidding. (laughs) I, like, literally forgot it happened. It was wild. So funny. So funny. So we also had a little bit from TV line. This was from Matt Midovich, and this was Matt's inside line. And there was a question asked about Casey, just saying, you know, will Casey get a story of his own this season? And Derek answered and was just talking about how, you know, the the, the storyline with Gallo was kind of meant to be a big thing this season, that he's mentoring this young firefighter and bringing him along. Um, but he also said he's like, you know, that was a big Casey storyline, but you don't think about it because Severide's off doing his own OFI thing. You know, but to him, it's balanced. And, you know, he said that Casey doesn't have a romantic storyline the way that Severide and Kid have. You know, he had more of the mentoring storyline. But he said that there will be a lot more coming for Casey. Um, He said he will be having his own storylines and arcs and all those kinds of things. And he will be a big part of the season finale when we get there. I can't think about the season finale yet. No, we still have, what, 12 more episodes to go? We're not even at the halfway mark of the season. No, we, no. I We're not there yet. No. I can't wrap my head around No, no, no. Not yet. No. Uh, last question came from Laurel. Hey, Laurel. I love this fandom because it's so tight-knit, and so when people's names pop up on articles or tweets or things like that, like, we usually know who's in there, and we're like, oh, hey! Like, I love that. Yeah, it's so fun. So Laurel said, when will the Chicago Med audience get more information about Dr. Marcel's background? And the answer there was that Diane and Andy promised, yes, we will slowly dole out Crockett's backstory. Just kind of quick and to the point. Okay, cool. Good to know. Yeah, good to know. So um, last bit that we've got is, I still just can't wrap my head around it. Um, People Magazine's website featured us in an article on the top TV podcasts. I still am just like, it's an honor, first off. Like, we are honored, absolutely honored. 
I can't wrap my head around it. I'm still speechless. And the company that we're in on that list is bananas. I know it's it's wild. It I I still don't really have words for it. It's yeah. It's it's just it's an honor. It's just a straight up honor. Um, where there's there's it's a list of basically the top podcasts about TV shows. And so like Dateline's got their official podcast. SVU's got a podcast. Um, the Office Ladies, the freaking West Wing Weekly. You guys, we're on the same list as the West Wing Weekly. I can't yeah, I know. wrap I my head podcast. around that. It's a great podcast. Oh my gosh. I, know, <laughs> I just, we're honored. Thank you guys so much. We could not do any of this without you. And we love what we do. And you're stuck with us for the foreseeable future. So, yay. Yay. Yeah. And if this is your first time listening to us and you found us because of that list, Hi, welcome. We're a little crazy. It's okay. It's okay. Join us. Crazy is welcome here. We are all family. Yes. 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 <laughs> but also give us a shout because we love to talk to our listeners. All the time. All the time. Yes. So that's about all we've got for the news. As always, guys, if you find anything, please send it to us. Um, we would not have known about the people.com list if my friend Amy hadn't sent it to me. <laughs> um so, you know, you guys are good about that. Please send us stuff as you see it. Uh, tweet it to us, email us, carrier pigeon, however. If you have our numbers, text us, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. it is time to move into the episodes, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Med is first up. Now, I thought this episode of Med, I actually kind of liked it. It was pretty steady. I liked it better than, I think it was my second favorite out of the three. Okay. So... We'll start with the Mansteads, and I mean, first off, Will does not even want to talk to Natalie, and I'm kind of loving it. It's so awkward, though. It really is. Like, so awkward. Oh, I know. You can just, I mean, Will does not, like, Will's just kind of tolerating her now, which I, like, hate to say that I find amusing, but I find amusing. But it's moments like this, though, where the fact that he this is not the first time they've had a moment like this and like feel like they're towards each other that I question whether they're actually meant to be together. Like part of me wants them to get back together because like I, you know, it's me and Steph, like I can't not root for them. But at the same time, like do they actually belong together if this is the way they're going to treat each other and oh, like yeah. the way they're going to treat them when they're not together. And the, you know, I get that they're mad at each other and I get that, you know, things fizzled out or whatever, but like, do I really want them back together? I don't know. But I mean, I do. But I don't know. Will has never made more sense in his time as a character on these shows as he did in the mid-season finale. Yeah. They really are not yeah. good for each other. They fight all the time. And when they fight, they don't, it's not even like a productive fight. Like, they fight ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but it's like, so like I said, it's moments like this of when there's, it's filled with so much tension that I just like, I don't know if I really shift them. But then they'll have like one teeny like, good second and I'm like oh yeah I do yeah it's fine I do no I'm with you I feel that I definitely feel that so I mean Will's just trying to make like really or uh, basically Will's just trying to mind his own business and Natalie's trying to talk to him and Will's just like giving really short small answers and Natalie's about to walk out of the room and she still just can't really like understand that he doesn't want to talk to her and she's like I'd like us to be friends again if that's something you want of course and Will just says yeah I would but, like, it's the most half-assed response. Like, it's, yeah, I would, but it's, like, the subtext is, no, I really don't. 
But the thing is, too, is like, again, there, there's just such a cycle with me inside. It's like, yeah, okay, we're going to become friends again. Okay, sure. And then something's going to happen, and they're going to fall in love, blah, 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 and then it goes going to turn to trash again. Yeah. Because that's just how me instead is. It's a big, giant cycle, and it's not a healthy one either. Nope. No. Not at all. But yeah. do I like it? Yes. So this <laughs> is the issue. Yeah. Because I know it is not okay, but I still like it. The other thing here is that, I mean, the first half of the season, Natalie told Will to get out of her life, and he did. So the time, like, the, the tides have turned now. Like, Will does not want you around, Natalie, so be respectful. It's your turn now to respect him and not get up in his space when he doesn't want you there. Uh, Natalie is such a such a complex character. I, I, I feel yeah. like she's very selective in her listening. I would love to know what Tori thinks, like, really thinks of her. That's a good point. They're a mess. They're a mess. Yeah. So, of course, I mean, they don't really, well, Will doesn't really want to talk to Natalie, but of course they have to work with each other because, like, of course, of course. Um, That's how the show goes. It is how the show goes. But I've got to say, I don't like them working together now with this, like, with with this new area that they've reached where Will's like, no, we are oil and water. We can't interact. Like, stay away. I don't like them working together. It's too tense. I don't like it. Yeah, but it's never going to change. I mean, I don't know. Well, I don't know. And I kind of worry, too, is, like, Will is trying to better himself. Will is trying to move on. And so that's why he put that distance there between he and Nat. And I worry that the more they work together, he is going to realize, like, I can't be around her. My only solution here is to leave med. And, like, that be the cliffhanger for the season. I could see that. You really think he would consider that, though? I'm, like... And the thing is, too, does he leave med? Does he leave, or is he, like, is he leaving Chicago or just med? Like, do you really think he would go to Lakeshore? I could see it. I don't know. Like, I mean, like like, a, where would he go? As, like, a season where would he go? I could see it. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past him, but, like, he's not actually going anywhere. Don't forget Let's that fanfic going. I read the other night, though. If you ever read it. Did you get my text? The one about, um, it was, it was... Of course, an AU. Um, I couldn't sleep, though. Like, don't judge me. But it was, like, basically an AU where Jay died and Will couldn't take it. And so Will moved out of Chicago. Okay, but that's Jay dying. Which, we'll get there. But (laughs) maybe that's just in my head. But I could see that as the season cliffhanger. I don't know. I don't know. So Natalie gets paid, not paged, but a patient comes in. It's a child who basically burned himself. And... The mom seems kind of agitated, and so they put both Natalie and Will on the case because, like, of course, of course, just let's just put the two things that don't go together together. Um, I love how they put Joelle Carter in this episode, like, no big deal, not expecting anybody to remember that she was on Chicago Justice. I did not recognize her the first time I watched it, like, at all. I had no idea. I had, I, I only watched two episodes of Justice, let's be real. I had no, I did not recognize, and she's. And I don't know, I mean, I think she has a little, like, gained a little more weight in her face. Like, I just, I did not recognize her until I saw it in your out in the outline, and I was like, wait, what? And then I, like, went back, and I was like, oh, yeah, that was her. Did not recognize it at all. I caught her name in the credits, and I was like, oh, shit, they're, like, a Justice character. Nicely done. And I kept waiting for the moment where they were like, ASA, whatever your name is. Like, oh, hey, what are you doing here? And it never came. I was like, so we're just not going to talk about I that? Asked- 
I also don't know if I would have recognized the name. Like, had I recognized it the first time, like, I, I don't know. I don't think I would have recognized her name. I think a little... That's how much I cared about Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, the, a tiny little pet peeve that I'm starting to realize that I have is, like, when you come into a universe you are that character. And so, like, if you go out of the universe and come back as another character, I have a problem, like, digesting that. I'm just like, this is lame because I know you as this person. And, I mean, the only exceptions I've ever been willing to make, of course, were, you know, when Brian T. was on PD because, I mean, obvious bias. I mean, of course, I'm going to be like, well, Chicago did it. That makes it okay. Um, I was cool with that. Two things. One, I think it's okay when you start out as a guest star and then come back as, like, a full-time, different, reoccurring, whatever it is, character. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just, like, the Brian T. example, like, he was on an episode once and then came back, like, seasons later, you know, and is now Dr. Toy, as we know and love him. Um, but I think, too, it's just so interesting to see the way when Chicago treats Justice. Like, Justice is truly the black sheep. Like, <laughs> Like, is it going to be one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, we pretend justice never... I mean, we obviously, as fans, I think, pretend that justice never happened, really. But, like, do the writers pretend that it never really happened? And I think it's okay, too, with Joelle Carter, because it was only on for, what, 10 episodes, 12 episodes, whatever justice was on for. Yeah. And, like, they didn't really, besides the big crossover that kicked off justice, they never really crossed over. That's true. Like... So, like, you know, again, I completely forgot that that's who that was. I did not recognize her. Maybe I also just wasn't paying, I was paying attention, but, like, you know, not in the same way, you know, because, again, we thought early. It was probably, like, 1130 midnight when I watched it, you know, like, whatever it was. Um, So, which is very different circumstances. But, like, I did not recognize her, and I did not recognize the name. And maybe that's just me, but, like, I don't know. I feel like it's okay, but I do understand your point that, like, it is a little weird. Yeah, but I will say, though, Joelle Carter acted the hell out of this role. Oh, she was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Like, slayed it big time, yeah. But... Like, if you're going to come back and play a different character, like, play it like her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was... Yeah, she was fantastic. Fantastic. And so, the whole thing here is that Will essentially got her addicted to opioids following a knee surgery, like, four years before. Which, like... It's heartbreaking, but also, like, I love this storyline for Will. I love this. Because Will has finally found himself in, like, a relatively decent place over the past couple of episodes. And now, like, he really can look at something that happened in the past with, like, a clear head and not be jaded by, you know, anything else that's going on. But you don't worry that it's going to affect him moving forward and that it's going to set him back a la the DNR? Did he learn from the DNR, though? I feel like he didn't. No, but I'm saying that the DNR set him back. Like, he, you know, it drove him crazy Mm -hmm. because it affected him so much. You don't think this is going to do something similar? Like, clearly, he is very upset at the end of the storyline when he sees, like, Lynn's outcome. Yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like he's in a pretty good place now, though, where I think he's, I think he's, like, got the maturity to, like, deal with this in a constructive way and just kind of look at his past actions and be like, okay, what could I have done differently? You know, maybe research addiction a little bit more. And now with Hannah coming in, who knows how that's going to influence things. Well, I worry that 
though, is because it's not something he could have done differently. He did everything he was supposed to do, but he put what he, the one thing he did do that was, I guess, his fault is he put his trust in Natalie. And Natalie then went and fucked up the whole situation by telling Goodwin. And, you know, that whole, that's how that, everything spiraled. So, like, I don't know. I'm, like, a little worried. I think more than anything, I think this just hurts the Natalie and Will relationship even more. Um, but I feel like there's going to be some kind of outcome. I don't, I'm, I'm, can't think of the right word that I'm thinking of right now. Um, but some kind of effects from this situation, like moving forward. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I, I have more faith in Will this time around than I did with the DNR. Oh yeah. No, Will is definitely a lot more mature than he was the DNR. I just worry that, like, you can tell this affected him in some way. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we're going to see some sort of effects from that. Yeah. As a result. Yeah. Which, but I'll think on the flip side of that, I mean, five milligrams of whatever painkiller she was on eight times a day. That sounds crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah. Eight times a day. Holy crap. That's like, what, every two hours? No, not even. I can't math. Um, eight times a day is every three hours fudge yeah three hours math yeah yeah god that's crazy that's crazy so yeah she's you know she recognizes will but you know will's just kind of like okay whatever um and then she points that out to him and so and he's just like oh so now i mean he's determined to help her and i mean this isn't even one of those things where like, Will's doing it from a place of stubbornness where you're just like, Will, hello, snap out of it. Like, can you see the real picture here? He is just like, he's like, no, okay, we, like, I've got to make this right. And so Will and Nat, they're sort of able to compromise or, like, they think that they're able to compromise, but they're really not. But now that they're, like, walking on eggshells, basically, Natalie is wanting to call Child Protective Services and Will is just like, listen, Nat, I know it's a day that ends in Y, but, like, can you not just this once? And they basically make a deal that she won't call CPS if Will can help her get clean. And so Will decides to put her through rapid detox, which also sounds awful. But yeah, so it's basically rapid detox in exchange for not calling CPS. And so, I mean, the the detox process is awful. The kid is super cute and like super smart. Uh, and, you know, Natalie's just kind of explaining, you know, addiction can't be cured rapidly. And then Will's just like, I can't be the reason she loses her kid. And then Nat basically learns, like, the deal's going perfectly well until Natalie learns that the kid knows how to administer Narcan. And then Natalie goes full Natalie. Shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, basically, Lynn comes out of her detox Goodwin comes in with the girl from CPS and Will goes to Natalie and she he's like, we had a deal, like what the hell? And obviously that all goes to shit. And so at the very end of the episode, Will's about to leave and a patient comes in and he gets called and it's Lynn. And they try everything they can to save her and she doesn't make it. And he calls in and he just looks at her and is like, I'm sorry. Oh, it's such a good story, but it's also really heartbreaking. Also, Will looks really good in Henley shirts. That's irrelevant, but still. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I I think this was a really, really good story for Will. 
yeah, like I said, I'm curious to see how it plays out into the rest of the season, if it does at all. But I think it will, at least for the first couple episodes after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally interesting. So I really like that one. Okay. So Dr. Marcel and April. <laughs> what are we calling them? Sexel? It makes me laugh so hard because it makes me think of an Excel spreadsheet. Um, but yeah, so Ethan's been gone. Ethan's been doing whatever he was doing with the Navy. April pulls Marcel aside to talk. April's freaking out. She's like, we kissed. What the hell? And Marcel just basically tries to like calm her down and they get interrupted because of course. So they have a patient named Alex. He was in a car wreck and he's got a bunch of like fluid just kind of floating around. He's just basically in bad shape. Um, Also, hey, Noah, welcome back. We missed you. Glad you're okay. Hey. Yeah, glad you survived. Yeah, for real, for real. And so Dr. Marcel recommends surgery, even though the patient might not necessarily need it. He wants to do like an exploratory procedure, just to like basically surgery to see if he needs surgery, as April says. Um, and April just kind of vouches like, hey, he deserves his options. Like he should know what's on the table. And Dr. Marcel just says, he's like, as much as I value your input, Nurse Sexton, I'm the surgeon. This is the plan. Maybe I'm, like, splitting hairs here, but I don't really like it when people refer to her as Nurse Sexton. I was just thinking about it, but that's, like, Marcel's thing. Like, doctor, whatever. Like, it's never just, like, oh, hey, April. But, like, even, like, you know, if he calls Will, if he's talking to Will, it's, like, Dr. Halstead. Like, Dr. Manning. That's just Marcel's thing, I think. Okay. Okay. Because I feel like when people only really call her Nurse Sexton when they want to drive home the point that she's a nurse. Like, it's never in a nice context. It's always in, like, almost a demeaning context. See, I don't think anyone calls her that except for him. Okay, I got to keep her out then. Who who calls her that? Aside from Marcel. That's a good question. Yeah, I think that's just Marcel's thing. Okay. Because he even calls, like, Noah, Dr. Sexton, you know, like, or, or whatever he, you know, but it's, like, everybody is, like, Dr. This, Dr. That, like, mm-hmm. Nurse This. Good point. Because I think he even calls Maggie, like, Nurse Maggie or something, you know, like, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think that's just Marcel's thing. Okay. Got it. Got it. So, Alex is afraid of going under because, basically, he's got a horror story from years before where his dad went under and passed. And so, um, you know, he's just, like, is this my only option? So... April and Alex talk, and he ends up backing out of the procedure. And so April just says, she's like, you may be okay people keeping people in the dark, but you can't just assume that I am. And Crockett's like, well, what are we talking about here? Like the patient or Ethan? And it's obviously both. Mm. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. It's obviously both, even though she's like, no, it's just our patient. It's just our patient. No, you're, you're a bad liar, April. Bad liar. So Noah yeah. asks April what's going on, but they get interrupted by Maggie, which like, listen, Maggie, I get it. Like BFF energy, like best friend magic. I get it. But also like, let her talk to her brother. I want to see more Sexton siblings. I feel like we get robbed of that a lot. Yeah. But I mean, like in this moment, if I was April and like, I'm thinking about like my brother and whatever, Maybe I would tell him, but, like, I'd also probably go to my BFF before I went to my brother. As much as I love my brother and I do tell my brother a lot, like, I'd I'd probably go Maggie first. Good point. I don't have a brother, so I'm just, like, yeah, I don't get that dynamic. Yeah, it's just just different talking about it, too, with, like, a guy versus a girl. Of course. Like, it's more about that rather than, like, 
who I trust more. Like I'd probably go to my girlfriends before I would go to like my brother or even my guy friends about that kind of stuff. So, right. Right. So April does come clean to Maggie, tells her everything, all that stuff. So the patient basically goes into shock. He has to be opened up. Everything goes fine in surgery, thankfully. And April apologizes to Marcel and she's just like, you know, I've been thinking you were right. Sometimes people don't necessarily need to know everything. Ah! April, no. No, Marcel is wrong. He is so wrong. You need to tell Ethan. Danger! Tell Ethan. Tell Ethan. Tell Ethan. (laughs) Danger, April. Danger! (laughs) Bad idea! Stay away. No, do not. No. I was just like, when she said that, I was like, oh, God. Not, no. Just bad idea. Bad idea. Bad idea. Don't do it. Honesty. Best policy. Don't do it. Just Crockett going like full Roman and just like inserting himself where he doesn't need to and just messing shit up. Okay, but to be fair, at least the Crockett situation technically involves him. Like he was technically involved. Yeah. Roman... No, no, no. There is no Roman involved in that situation. Crockett at least is involved in the situation. Yes, yes, there is. There There is is a difference. (laughs) Which, like, I just feel like if he doesn't have feelings for April, he probably should have stopped the kiss before it started. Like, but I think he does, though. I don't think he'll, I don't think he has admitted it or, you know, maybe he'll never admit it, but I think he does. Hmm. So, I mean, what's not to like about April, but still. That is some two-faced shit if they're going to get friendly full well knowing that Crockett kissed Ethan's girl. Right? And then, like, we're going to have Ethan and Crockett get close, and Crockett's still not going to say anything? Like, dude, what the hell? If Ethan finds out at the wedding, I hope he decks him. Like, in front of everybody (laughs) in the church. I would pay good money for that. Yeah. No, this is going to be... Like, that might be the best med moment of all time, though. It's going to be like a Jerry Springer wedding. Oh, my God. (laughs) But, like, it might be the best med moment of all time if, like, that comes out at Ethan and April's wedding. Now, that's in a 100th episode. That is a 100th episode. And that might top Manstead. Yeah. I think think if that's actually what what happens, it can't not top Manstead. (laughs) I don't know, but me, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm like seeing that image now. And then like Emily and the baby in the front row and just like Emily being horrified that like Ethan just punched somebody and then just, oh, wow. What a mess. It really, oh my God though. But they're really going to go for the Jerry Springer aspect of it. If that's where they want us to meet Dr. Charles, youngest daughter, who he doesn't have a good relationship with, man, that is some real Jerry Springer shit. Oh God. (laughs) In the best way though. In the best way. All right. So now we know Ethan and April's wedding might be lit. Not in a great way. Now we know. But yeah, Ethan and April's wedding because, you know, Ethan comes (laughs) home earlier than expected. Oh, my God. (laughs) And apologizes to April for how they left things. And he's like, you know, I don't want to go another six weeks without you in my life. And then gets down on one knee and proposes. Yep. And April 1st, she's like, I don't know. She's like, I have to tell you something. But, of course, it's not about the kiss. It's about the fact that she's probably not going to be able to have kids. And she's worried that that's going to deter him. 
I am glad that he apologized for pressuring her to have kids. Because he was pouring it on yes. dick there at the end of the first half. Yeah. No, I definitely, you know, when I said that April should have told him this, you know, two episodes ago or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, but it was just like, really, April, that's what you're going to tell him? I mean, I'm glad you told him because you needed to tell him. But, like, that's what we're going to tell him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I just, I can't. But, again, she says yes, so... Ethan and April are getting married, y'all. Oh, my. Oh, my. Indeed. I know. I I can't even... I'm just like, oh, man, Ethan and April are engaged. Like, saying it out loud and trying to wrap my head around it, it's weird. Sex toy is engaged, (laughs) y'all. What even? So crazy. So next up, we have Dr. Charles and It's Yeah, it's so wild. So wild. So next up, we have Dr. Charles and Elsa. And this episode was basically, like, bookended by two, like, absolutely gut-wrenching Dr. Charles moments. Like, thanks, med writers. That's cool. I, you know, finally stopped crying after the mid-season finale. So I'll just start crying all over again. Great. Uh, Brenna, will you take us through Dr. Charles and Elsa, please? Yes. So, it starts off, and Dr. Charles, we see him visiting Cece's grave and, you know, just sitting there and drinking his morning coffee and just, like... This is fine. I can't take this already. Yeah, it's like, it's what opens the episode, too. Not even just, like, opens the storyline, but it's, like, what opens the episode. And I just, like, okay, all the tears. It's okay. Ugh. Yep. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so, basically, the storyline, though, also brings him a chart for him to, like, consult on in his office. Even though, like, you can tell he really doesn't want to do it. Like, he doesn't want to be at work. He's, like, kind of not really into it yet, which I can't blame the man can't blame the man Mm -hmm. um and basically elsa's patients dealing with like panic attack whatever and she has this creative solution that she runs by him you know it's about like using an app where you like record your anxieties and then it'll turn it into a song or i still don't really get this app but whatever Um, (laughs) so but dr charles shoots her down and he's like no like i don't think you know a gimmick might not be the best idea, blah, 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 all this stuff. And you can tell, like, Elsa's like, oh, okay. Like, you know, she feels defeated once she leaves that office. I feel like with Elsa, we're uh, running into, like, Sarah 2.0. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. A little bit. Um, A little bit. It'll only really, I feel like, be Sarah 2.0 if we go down the whole father storyline. But anyway. No pepper <laughs> spray for you, Elsa. Yeah, but so but despite what he said, you know, she still introduces the app to her patient. And at first, the patient's kind of going along with it, but then, you know, she has like a panic attack and you know freaks out about the app and everything, and decides to take another like antidepressant instead. She's like, no, 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 like whatever, I don't want to do that. Um, and so also again, feels defeated, feeling like she can't do, you know, she's not doing her job, whatever. Also walks the patient out. And all of a sudden, the patient's throat starts to close up, and she just collapses right there in the waiting room. And so then Dr. Charles shows up, and he's like, you know, like, what do you think might trigger the panic attack? And Elsa's like, oh, I, you know, I did the app. You know, she kind of freaked out about it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And Elsa's, like, completely thinks that it's her fault that all of this has happened and that it's the app and, you know, all the stuff. But Dr. Charles, you know, gets his idea and gets all Dr. Charles and, like, it might actually be something else. Just maybe. 
Um, and as it turns out, the patient didn't even have panic attacks at all. She has something called mastocytosis, which can actually be made worse by antidepressants. So every time she was taking an antidepressant, thinking that it was a panic attack, she was actually making herself sicker. Um, and so Elsa, again, just continuously beats herself up. She's like, you know, I, that should have been on my intake sheet, blah, blah, blah. Like, I should have thought about that. And Dr. Charles is like, it's really not your fault. Like, it, you know, sometimes we miss things and it's okay. It's okay. Um, and so then there's, like, it ends with this random med employee's, like, retirement party at Molly's. And it's, like, a karaoke party. And, like, you know, they're all, like, hanging out, whatever. And so Dr. Charles gets up and does the karaoke. And he introduces the song that he's singing. He's like, you know, a friend of mine told me that you can't sing your troubles away. And she's like, and he's like, well, I guess we're about to find out. And he sings trying to, you know, hopefully take some of the grief of CC like off of his mind. And it's just, no, my heart hurts. Yeah. It's just mm, poor Dr. Charles. I'm getting to like the protect him at all costs point with him. I'm like, don't hurt him. I know. It's not right. I and know. I'm we've sad had Cece's gone. I liked her. I know. That was such a great way to, like, kick off the season. Mm-hmm. I know. And, like, just, like, the, I mean, the way he's, like, he's just, he's really good with the students that he mentors. Because, like, obviously with this one, he showed her that, like, yeah, I actually am listening to you. Like, let's give this a try. Sweet. Right. But I think the thing that I love about Dr. Charles, too, is kind of going off of that. Is, like, he teaches them just as much as they teach him. Yeah, that's a great point. Because, like, Elsa totally taught him in this situation, even though that wasn't the plan. Right. Right. That's a really great point, too, because I feel like with certain mentors, it can be kind of, like, that, that, that can happen in mentorships if the mentor is willing to, you know, let it. So, like, I, yeah, if we could see something like that with Casey and Gallo, that would be awesome, too. Like, you know, see Casey learn something from Gallo that he didn't know before. Yeah. And I mean, I think we kind of started started to see that a little bit. I mean, it's a very, albeit a very different way, but like, you know, when Casey learned about like what Gallo had been through, mm-hmm. like, I think that it didn't necessarily teach him anything, but it definitely opened his mind up yeah. to like a different way of seeing things. Yeah. Yeah. So. So go ahead and take us through Maggie and Ben too. Yeah. So there's not like a ton of Maggie and Ben. Basically, Maggie's about to start radiation that day. And Ben, since Ben's getting, like, blood drawn at the hospital, so he's like, oh, yeah, I'll stick around, like, you know, until you get your radiation. Just, like, cue all the alls, because these two are just fucking adorable. I can't even. Mm -hmm. Um, But so, of course, like, Maggie's about to go in for radiation, and Ben's doctor comes by and gives him the good news. He is in remission. Dr. Lanik deserves, like, a Doctor of the Year award or something, because, like, whatever steroid he gave him in that episode where he was almost dying, like, it was, like, a miracle steroid. But actually, though. But actually, though, Dr. Lanik is, like, MVP. MVP. You're the real MVP, Dr. Lanik. And I'm not just saying that because Nate Santana knows about the podcast. Hey, Nate. Yeah. Come on the podcast sometime. (laughs) We just want to chat. We don't bite. <laughs> but and so basically though like Maggie is coming out of the room and Ben takes that moment though to like apologize and he's like I'm sorry that I reacted the way that I 
did when I found out about my good news. Like, it was selfish, especially, like, given where you are in your fight. Like, I don't want to go out and celebrate, not until we both can declare victory. And it's just like, Ben, you are a good dude. These two are couple goals, man. Mm -hmm. I know. And she even said, she's like, you give me hope, Ben. Like, thank God Maggie has finally found someone, like, worthy of her. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They're so good together. They're the best. Mm -hmm. They're so good together. So, so good. So, any other notes about Med? No, I thought it was, like, a good, solid premiere. Same. Same. I thought it was good. So, moving into Fire. So, last we left our friends at 51, Severide was casually chilling in the basement with a guy named Jimmy Conrad and his, like, Roman candle of doom. Um, so we resume pretty much right there and Severide's alive because of course, of course Severide's alive. So Conrad like basically destroys the place, like sets stuff on fire, gets himself trapped under whatever piece of machinery or like heavy something or other. And Severide's just like, what, like it's hard and gets them both out of there because of course it's Severide, whatever. Um, this totally makes me think of the tweet that Derek retweeted the other day from somebody who was watching Chernobyl and was just like, yeah, I keep thinking about how Severide would have had this, like, figured out in minutes. And, like, exactly. 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 Just if... What, like it's hard? What, like it's hard? Yeah, just, you know, if only Kelly was, you know, not a baby when Chernobyl happened and could have been there to, like, set things straight. If only. If only. I I really don't think there's any situation that Severide can't get himself out of, which I also shouldn't say too loud because Derek's going to be over there doing like the maniacal like movie villain laugh being like, challenge accepted. But seriously, I mean, I'm telling you, Severide's like an Avenger. He just, he's a superhero. Yeah, he really is though. He really is though. He really is. So he gets out and... Conrad is like bracing himself against the police car and he's like why'd you come back and Kelly just gives him this like did you really just ask me that look and it's like I'm a firefighter which like is just yeah Kelly hell yeah I love it just Kelly things just Severide things normal day and then of course it ends with a Stellaride hug and kiss because of course but yeah least dramatic cliffhanger ever yeah least dramatic but I'm also not mad I mean, I'm not mad based on, like, the anxiety that PD gave me, but, like, it was, like, yeah. Like, it was just so predictable. I mean, yeah, but I was I was okay leaving that universe behind for, like, six, eight weeks, however long hiatus was. I was okay leaving it behind with Severide in the warehouse. I was, like, whatever. He's fine. He'll take care of himself. But, yeah, the other cliffhangers, like, PD, I was just, like, somebody needs to stop the bleeding and, like, maybe put a Christmas tree down there so he can celebrate the holidays. Like, what the hell? But this one I was okay with. Yeah. But later on, Severide gets applauded for his work on the case, but also chastised. But, like, it's okay. So the guy just basically says, he's like, you're one of the most gifted investigators I've ever met. And you're fired. Which, like, yay, he's coming back. Uh, Yeah, but he gets to go back to 51. So, like, I don't care. It's a win. It it, it, it is a win. No. Don't care at all. So Seeker tries to flirt with him on the way out because, like, she just can't really get the hint like he's just not that into you um and yeah he's just so exciting to be leaving that he doesn't even notice which is great but she basically is like you also strike me as a guy who has a a hard time being tied down to one thing yeah well that kelly is gone the old kelly can't come to the phone right now why because he's dead 
because he is with one woman now. The cycle of Kelly is a thing of the past. Right. Like, you're about five seasons too late, Seeker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need to catch up on your binge, girl. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stella sees Seeker's text to Severide pop up on his phone. They're having, like, a really cute little morning in the apartment. And she's just like, thanks, like, winky face. And Stella's just like, the fuck is this? Like, who is this chick? And... He's just like, it's just work, I swear. Also, in that moment, major Severide eyes. Looks like it's my duty to point that out. So, you're welcome. Um, Stella's totally cool about it, but like she kind of makes Severide rethink for a second. So, you know. So, now Seeker shows up to Molly's. And, like, the way we lay this out in the outline, it kind of feels like she's, like, building up some, like, lifetime stalker street cred, right? Like, she, there's a pattern emerging here that she just keeps popping up. Um. But, yeah, she shows up to Molly's, and Severide sets her straight. So, you know, he, she's like, I found this case. Like, what if we get lunch tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And he just is like, you know, I appreciate you keeping me in mind, but need to focus, you know, on what belongs. Squad 3, 51, sort of keep myself tied down to one thing. Boom. Season 8 Severide in the house. Keeps himself tied down to one thing. Yeah. One. But I think the thing that I also really liked is that, like, Seeger respects that. Like, as soon as, like, Severide just needed to say it. Mm-hmm. Like, she needed to hear it from him. And as far as we know, I mean, like, she respects that and she, like, backs the fuck off. As far as we know. I mean, I don't think we'll see her anytime after this. But, like, he just needed to say it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, like, when she was like, let's get lunch, I was like, Kelly Severide, don't you dare. And then, yeah, he said that and I was like, good man. A plus, Kelly. Good job. Yeah. It's our Severide. Boyfriend of the year. 2019 and 2020. Yeah, but actually, though. But actually, though. So, elsewhere, our little cinnamon roll, Gallo. It's his first episode after the announcement that he's a series regular now, and Gallo's getting all the screen time. It's the best! Literally, this is the best part of the episode, and I, like, can't, I'm, like, breaking out into the smile just, like, talking about it. Like, I just, ugh. You can't not when you're talking about Alberto and Gallo. Like, you can't not smile. Again, he is just such a ray of sunshine. It's adorable. It's literally the best. I just, I can't. I know. I know. Brian has got the giggles now. Like, yeah. It's that good. Yeah, and we haven't even started. We haven't even started talking about it. Yes. He's adorable. I literally... It's like as soon as I watch him, I'm just like I just like get the giggles. It's just I can't. <laughs> He's so cute though. So, beginning of the episode, Bowden announces that there's going to be a boundary overlap with Firehouse Twenty, and so Gallo's not happy. And he's pissed. He is pissed. Yeah. He's so pissed. <laughs> and so Cruz and Mouch are like, "What was that?" Like it's a very emphatic reaction. And he basically explains he has history with the medic over there from the academy days, and she's just the worst. And so, at a call, Gallo runs into his frenemy, and I say this with air quotes, her name's Violet, and they have some really adorable, flirty banter. It's just, it's funny. It's really funny. It's the cutest. It really is, I know. And so, Ritter asks him about it, but he blows it off. And Ritter just says, he's like, Gallo, I'm I'm gay, I'm not blind. Like, you know. (laughs) Which, it's the best. The best. Yeah, like, thank you, Derek, for the present that is Gallo and Ritter's friendship. It's literally the highlight of like the year we really are hashtag blessed it's literally it's just and it feels so natural and i really like i keep thinking about like how derek explained it you know at oh one chicago day how it's like you know 
there's like the old heads, you know, like the people who you've been around for a while. And then there's just like this new firefighter class. And like, obviously they're bonding because of that. They're both new into the house. Um, but I just, I love it. Like it's just so natural and uh, it's literally the best thing we've done all season. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. And I mean, Violet and Blake's banter is just like fantastic. It's just so funny. I about died. Yeah, and she- they have such good chemistry too. And it's yeah. just, oh, it all, it's all so good. Yes. Yeah, so, so good. I about died when she was like, did you need to get something off your chest or can I treat my patient now? I was like, oh, she's such a bitch. It's so funny. <laughs> like, it's so good though. So, so good. So good. So Violet shows up at Molly's and they have a little friendly competition and it's basically like reciting the like different codes out of whatever book right, of whatever authority it is. that they have. Oh my God. And they're like reciting stuff verbatim back and forth. It's so funny. And Ritter just goes, I guess this is how overachievers flirt. Like, It's so funny though. Yeah. And he's like sitting with Cap and he's just like, yeah, I guess this is how overachievers flirt. And it's just like, uh, Ritter. Ritter wow. with the one-liners, man. It's so perfect. And so Gallo runs into Violet at Molly's on the second night and basically spills his drink on her. And they, like, just the banter's so good. And so she said something about a swagger. And then, like, he mentioned something back. And she was like, you were watching me? Cut to them hooking up. And, yep. He's still also, like, adorable, like, Gallo about it, though. He's like... He, I don't remember exactly what he says, but she's just like, he's like, he starts talking and, you know, starts babbling and she's like, shut up and kiss me. Like, you're just like, shut up. Like, stop being adorable and like, make out with me. It's adorable. I also think Gallo might have more game than Casey. Boom. That is what Gallo can teach Casey is how to get his game back. I love Swagger Gallo. Hashtag that. I love Swagger Gallo. Swagger Gallo. <laughs> I love it. Gallo I love swagger, it. Whatever it is. I love it. I love it. Love it. Literally the best part of this whole episode. It, yeah, it probably was it, the best. He's just just a little ray of sunshine. So perfect. I love it. Ugh, so good. So Foster and Brett were having some issues this episode, unfortunately. Um, I hated this. Like, I, not be- I, 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 it was so unnecessary. I thought it made, like, it literally, this is my least favorite episode of all three this week because of this. Like, I thought it was so unnecessary. I thought Foster was the fucking worst. I, I'm done. I'm like, I, I have a lot of feelings about this. I didn't like it mostly because of the payoff because Foster basically explained herself to Brett. And instead of Brett being like, I really don't appreciate how you treated me. She was just like, oh, like it was just so anticlimactic. I thought it was whole pointless. Like, why? Like, what's like? What is the point of this? I know. Like, what was the point of the storyline? Yeah. Except for like filling time, right? Like, I just like I, I thought it was so fucking pointless. Like, I hated the storyline. I hated it. On that I, note, do you want to take us through it, or do you want me to? I got it. I got okay, it. Okay. Okay. So basically, they're out on that like drag racing crash call, whatever that call was, with a mail truck and stuff. And Brett's working on the male lady and mentions, like, needing to do, like, a nasal tracheal intubation. And Foster's like, I can do it. But Brett is already in the kind of middle of doing it. And Brett's like, no, I got it. And so then Foster gets all fucking pissy and pulls the I was almost a doctor card. And Brett's like, "Eh, no, I overrule you. I'm PIC. Like, I'm already doing it. I can do it. It's fine. Really? We're going to do this in the middle of a call, Foster? Really? Right? And, like, it's out of nowhere, too. She's, like, 
it's just been pissy all day. And then she's like, I'm almost a doctor. Yeah, almost a doctor. You are not a doctor. I'm pretty sure Gabby would have punched her if she was the PIC. Literally would have punched her. Shay, too. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, But basically, so they get back from the call and Foster starts to reorganize the ambulance because she's put up with this outdated system for way too long. And so Brett's like, you can't really do that because we'd have to run it by the other paramedics from the other shifts. And so again, Foster takes that as like, Brett offended her like, deeply. And she gets pissy yet again. And I'm just like, oh, the second time I just like, I was so over it. Um, and so Brett leaves and then Stella goes over to the ambulance and asks Foster about it. And Foster makes this, like, kind of offhanded comment. And she's like, you know, sometimes command gets to people's heads. Like, that's all I'm going to say. And it's just like, really? Like, really? What the hell, Emily? Right, this is so out of left field. It's just like, what the hell? And so then Stella asks Brett later on for her side of things at Molly's. And, you know, Brett's like, I'm trying to be accommodating, but I have a limit. And, of course, Foster takes this moment to walk into Molly's. And Brett's like, I'm going to excuse myself. But Foster calls her out and, like, confronts her about it. Like, follows her outside and, like, confronts her about it. And Brett, like, kind of drops the mic. I was like, oh, okay. And Brett's like, you know, you may think your education makes you better, but I earned my place as PIC after years of experience. Like, I chose this life. It wasn't a backup plan. It wasn't a consolation prize. So she says, she's like, if you don't respect that, then maybe you need to see if some other house will take you in because I'm losing my patience and fast. And it's just like, mic drop, you go, Brett. That is the you nice go. way to put somebody in their place. Right. But then, of course, like, during the next shift, like, Stella and Brett, or Stella makes Brett and Foster kind of talk shit out. And, like, Foster ends up apologizing and saying, you know, that, like, medical school, or, like, her medical school class had a reunion and the photos made her think about, like, the road not taken. And she's like, that is such a BS excuse. Like, I get being depressed about that and, like, having that make you all in your feels. But, like, what? So you decide to take it out on Brett? Like, that's not cool. Right. That is not cool. No. No. <sighs> it makes me so mad. And I like seeing Brett stand up for herself and take no shit. I just, like, I wish that she would be less apologetic about it. She's, like, she's almost hesitant to stand up for herself when she needs to. Right. And and that's why I was glad glad that she did. But then it kind of backtracks when she didn't, like, I don't know. I thought, like you said, like, the ending was very anticlimactic. And again, the whole time I was like, what is the point of the storyline? Right. It's like, like, what is the point? Dare I say she almost kind of bullied Brett in a way because, like, she knew Brett wasn't really going to say anything? Yeah. She treated Brett like absolute shit. Just for Brett to just be like, oh, like, okay, well, don't pay attention to that. Moving on. I was just kind of, okay. It was so bad. So bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to see people walk all over Sylvie. No, because Sylvie's the best. But yeah, I really hated the storyline and it like kind of ruined the episode for me. Not going to lie. It's like I we come from like Gallo, which made this episode amazing and like was the only kind of saving grace to this episode. And then but like the Brett's and all the Foster stuff like killed it for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not going to lie. 
No, I mean, I can understand that. I can definitely understand that. Because, yeah, I just, I didn't like seeing them fighting. And especially because the reason was such bullshit. It was nothing that Sylvie had done. Emily was just being a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. elsewhere we had a small storyline with Mouch. And this was small, but also I really liked it. Just because it was just, it just kind of showed, like, Mouch was just kind of going the extra mile to be a decent human. And I liked it. It was nice. Yeah. Brandon, will you take us through Mouch? Yeah. So basically, this call that 81 gets called to at the beginning, it's like a scene where the mail truck gets turned over. There's like some drag racing stuff involved, whatever it is. And like the mail goes everywhere, basically. And so later on, Mouch notices that one stray letter gets stuck to his boot. And of course, he's determined to get it back to the rightful owner. He, like, even goes to the post office to try to figure it out, but they will not help him whatsoever. And that's, like, a really funny scene. Just, like, Christian Stolte nailing his, like, comedic timing is just, like, it's so on point in that scene. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Um, and so, basically, Ritter helps Matt figure out the address by, like, taking the pencil and, like, rubbing it over that. It's just, like, I wouldn't have thought about that either, but, you know, Ritter is smarter than all of us, clearly. Yeah, though. But actually, though. But actually, though. And so, Match goes and delivers it personally to the woman who it belongs to. And as it turns out, it was from a woman whose husband sent it before he ended up dying in action in overseas. And so, it like really meant a lot to her that she got this like last letter from her now dead husband. And it made Match feel good that you know he like took all the crazy steps to get it back to her. Yeah, it was um, just a really sweet, small story. Yeah. I liked it. I, yeah, I did too. Mm-hmm. So, but any, yeah. any other notes about fire? I mean, I didn't put it in the outline because I didn't think it was really that important. But there is like the whole, um, like the jaws getting stolen and Casey and Gallo kind of go on a mission to like solve it. But like, it's so stupid. It's not... A, it's not worth it mentioning, really. There was, yeah, there was something crazy about that, just that, you know, the last call wasn't even really a call. It was more of a standoff because that's, you know, they basically found the suspect and just decided to go all PD right. with it and chase him. Um, and we got the episode title from when Sylvie turned the ambo around and the guy was just kind of like facing them thinking he was going to charge. So I did enjoy that, right. though, when Foster was like, hold our ground. And she was like, hell yeah, I'm going to hold my ground. That was good. I also still love that you can still see the shark on the dashboard of Ammo 61. It's just a nice little, like, remembering little piece of, you know, Mills. I love that you can still see the shark. And if we ever move the shark, I will riot. Well, I feel like the shark would only move if Brett left. No. Like, what we should really go back and check is see is, like, when Brett is in Ballerton, is the shark still there? Good call. Did we? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we had Amble calls when that happened. So, yeah. Yeah, she was gone for like an episode or two. Mm-hmm. Two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so. I don't know. I thought it was cute when Gallo was talking to Cruz and Ritter and he was like, she's the devil. And Casey's like, who's the devil? And Gallo immediately straightened up and was like, nobody. Like, <laughs> moving on. Yeah. I just, that Gallo storyline was like, might be honestly like it's gonna be hard to beat that storyline except if Gallo does something else. Pretty like, great. Gallo is really just oh, such a gift. He really is such a gift. 
I love it. I think it. if I ever met Alberto, I would like not be able to contain myself clearly have you like i mean you follow him on instagram he or in, instagram what i'm about to bring up made me say instagram but he's obsessed with this twitter account now called pasta making grannies where it's like all these old italian women in their 90s that still make pasta by hand i just find that everything yeah. he does absolutely adorable i know we really need to like participate in his club like when we, we really need to do that we really do we need to find a way to participate yeah for sure absolutely yeah um yeah, yeah. just yeah i know I'm, I'm sitting here with a smile on my face too i'm like he's adorable he's just adorable yeah yeah just mm -hmm. so moving into pd oh man so we left and Jay had been, just been shot and was bleeding on the concrete and it was awful and it's been haunting all of our nightmares for months. Um, but we can now very safely and very, very happily say Jay's alive. Yay. Thank God. Thank God Jay's alive. Oh my goodness. <sighs> I mean, I don't think I really had any doubt, but like, it's nice to know. It, it's very nice to know. And plus, I mean, the lengths they went to to hide Jesse over hiatus, I mean, shit. It's insane. Yeah, for sure. Like, the fact that he's, like, pretty much, aside from David Eichenberg, the only one not in that New Year's video. Yeah. Crazy. So crazy. I mean, they they really worked hard to cover that cliff, or to preserve that cliffhanger. And like kudos to you, but also it gave us anxiety for six straight weeks. So thank you. Right. Oh man. So we start the episode. It picks up right where we left off. Jay's just kind of going in and out of consciousness. We're seeing it from his point of view too. So it's like things are fuzzy. We see Hank for a second. We see Adam. We see Kim. He gets loaded in the ambo. Haley goes with him, and then of course Boyd is like. Yeah, of course. Voight's just like, clear these roads. You're going to escort him here this way and tell Chicago Med that he's one of our own. And I was like, oh, great. Dagger to the heart in the first, like, minute. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So Will comes out with an update, and this is the scene that we got in the sneak peek where he talks about the bullet grazing an artery, and they're still trying to repair it. And that's when Voight's like, is he going to be okay? And Will's just like, he's lost a lot of blood. I wish that... I wish we'd gotten more Will in this episode. There was not enough Will. Yeah, I, w I will say that. I was kind of surprised. But also, I thought they were really going to milk the Jay being dead till the end of the episode. But they told us within the first, like, 15 minutes. So it's like, okay. Yeah, for like, sure. I definitely, though, those, yeah. those first 15 minutes, though, like, the, the inner monologue in my head was just me over and over saying, he better fucking live. Like, I was so nervous <laughs> right up until the point when Platt came in and was like, I've got news on Jay. Like, up until that point, I was like, he better fucking live. He better fucking live. And then when they started with the case, I was like, no, I don't care. I don't care about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Burgess comes out with an update on Angela. She's going to be fine. Voight pays her a visit, and she just says she's like, he got what he deserved. And Burgess is like, what did you say? Like, what? Um, and so, you know, Hank just says, he's like, I don't really know about karma, but I know that if Jay Halstead dies, you're going to wish you never lived. But thankfully, we didn't have to go there because he's okay. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. I felt like I could finally breathe again after this episode. I was like, oh, he's okay. Okay. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> 
Yeah. Definitely a lot of that. A lot of that, yes. So Crawford pulls Voight and the rest of intelligence away for a home invasion, which, like, really, he's, like, he's the one person I really don't want to see at this point because this whole Marcus West storyline started with him. Like, no. Nah, not really. Yep. Yeah. Go away, Crawford. Go away. I'm so surprised that Hank didn't, like, try to hang this up on him somehow. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So he basically points out with the home invasion that this homeowner was shot nine times with a machine gun, but the bullet casings are casings that can only be issued to someone in the army. And so he kind of gives like the history of like where this started. And he's like, yeah, so now it's made its way to the Gold Coast. And I'm so glad Voight called him on this, too, because the way he was describing it, he was like, well, it started off with gangs and now it's here. And so Boyd just said, he's like, now, okay, so you mean now that white people are dying? And I'm so glad he called him on that, because that's exactly what he was getting at. Yeah, same. And again, just another great example of PD, like, really grounding this in, like, real world shit. And, um, you know, it's one line, but, like, it says so much. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, PD kills it with that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, we get a Burzik scene. Like a very brief, brief Burzik. Yes. Burgess is having the baby. We're, yeah, we're really doing this. Oh my goodness. I know. And like she, I, I, the way she just said it and walked off and like Adam's face was just like, oh, and I was like, you're going to be a dad. Yeah. Crazy. Cause isn't what next week of Burgess episode or yeah. Isn't next week a Burgess episode? Um, seven 11. It should be per, per Marina's interview with per us. Seven 11 is a baby episode. Yeah. That's what I'm, yeah. So I don't know, but the Burzicks are having a baby. Officially. Officially. Although, I mean, when, if you think about the long game with this, like, I just am trying to, like, think about what happens, like, when they have the baby. I mean, they're not – are they setting it up to, like, write Burgess off? Because, like, what's – who's going to take care of the baby? What Like, how's she going to manage? Oh, well, I mean, there is a thing called daycare and nannies. True. <laughs> I know. It's not crazy. It's not crazy to think that she can have a baby and her career. No. She just can't do her career while she's pregnant. No, no. And it's, it, that's not, I mean, it's, of course it's possible. I mean, that's something that TV messes up quite often that, you know, women can't be happy in, in, in work and their lives. Whatever your name is who did Veronica Mars, I'm staring at you. Rob Thomas. There we go. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. God forbid um, Veronica be yeah, good at I, her job. I, I just, what you're saying though that like like are we gonna see the baby all the time are we gonna see the baby ever like i don't know um i mean my guess is it's be like a natalie owen situation like we see the baby occasionally Mm -hmm. like maybe once a season and like you know maybe more than that if it's like pertains to a storyline but you know not really i'm so excited to see the bursix's parents i know it's gonna be great oh it's gonna be so good it's gonna be so good. I'm also really hoping they have a girl now, just because I just Ruzik as a girl dad like would be the best, the actual best though. Kevin as an uncle to a girl, I can't even. I know, I know. Oh, it would be so precious. And then like, dad and I uncle can't. Kevin watching the baby when Burgess has to work or something. I want to cry. It's just it, yeah, it's gonna be perfect. I want to cry. I can't wait for Kevin to find out. 
but she didn't Marina say she didn't like like the way that she told Kevin or that whatever it was like I don't know I don't want him to find out just because like Marina didn't seem that happy with it well I mean either way it is definitely time to tell Voight regardless of you know yeah I feel like that's what next step, that, week's episode is going to be although I remember, I I remember reading that Kevin was the next one to find out I don't know <sighs> yeah Ooh, they're gonna have a baby. I know. Oh, it's so exciting. Ah. I know. So Rojas brings stuff to Med for Upton, which is really nice. And they have a little moment here. And so um, Haley is just talking and she's like, I can't figure him out. Like, he's the first one through the door, a war vet, and he'd rather take a bullet than a flu shot. And Vanessa just looks at her and is like, it's hard because you love him. Which, like, hold the phone, hold the phone. I think Vanessa is the first one to know that Haley loves Jay. Yeah, oh, definitely. She's definitely the first one that Haley has said it to. Well, she didn't even say it. She well, she was like, she said, she's like, you know, of course I love him. Like, he's my partner. And I Vanessa got like, the vibe from the way that Vanessa said, like, it's hard because you love him. That that was like a... They like some some night over beers or something. Haley confessed to Vanessa at some point and was like, "Don't tell anybody, but I have feelings for Jay." See, I didn't get that vibe at all. I got it that Rojas is just really smart and like can see it. Mm-hmm. Not that Haley confessed it, because why else would she have confessed it if she then says like, "Of course I love him. Like he's my partner." Mm-hmm. Like that. I I think Rojas is just smart and figures it out. Hmm. Hearing her say, like, I love him, I was like, oh, yes. Oh, yes, it's time. We're going there. Hell yes. Uh, yeah, I just, I still can't believe it's, like, kind of sort of happening. It's like, happening. starting to actually get there. It's like, holy crap. Oh, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. So, this whole case, like, I, I both love and hate this case. Like, I hate this case because I don't care about it, first off, because there's just, like, I... Get me back to med and like help me find out what's going on with Jay. I don't care about the details. I don't. But also, like if you look about the if you look at this case like as a whole, it's also a really good case. Well, and too, there's so much happening that makes it like they did a good job with not just giving us a throwaway case. Mm-hmm. Like they gave us a case that actually matters because you know plot twist of who's involved. Right. Right. Like you know, so it like actually matters. Yeah, and so. Basically, they're trying to track down the owner of this car, and Kevin and Vanessa go undercover. And so Christy, the girl they're after, she gets in a fight with a guy that is all of a sudden broken up by a third guy. And Kevin gets in there to break it up and comes face-to-face with Jordan. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Oh, man. So Jordan is just like, no, I'm here visiting friends. Like, that's what's going on. But Kevin's like, oh, hell no. No, like, you're if I'm working, you can't be... Here for a good reason right at all and so the girl christy they find her they bring her in for questioning and at this point we're, we're talking about trey's murder right no trey's not dead yet okay so oh the the initial murder we're talking the about murder. the original murder yeah, yeah. yeah the initial murder so christy's like i had nothing to do with it and the guy who started the fight at the bar who wasn't jordan is her ex so and that's true yeah that is true that's true yeah 
So Voight has a moment with Kevin and, you know, they talk and Voight's just like, you know, you've always been more of a father to Jordan. And he just explains, he's like, sooner or later, the son breaks from the father and he has to make his own mark. And he's like, you know, you don't get to choose when. Which, like, Kevin, poor thing. Like, Mm -hmm. he doesn't need that. Right. Bad. Not at all. Mm -mm. Not what we, yeah. No. No, no. So... They get the results on Christie's car, and this is when Platt comes up and is like, I have news on Jay. And, of course, at that point, I was like, he'd better fucking be alive. And we cut to the hospital, and he's alive. Oh, thank God. And he's like, fine. Thank God. Yeah. And so they have, like, a cute Dang. moment. She, he's just like, Haley, like, I hate hospitals. Like, you have to get me out of here. And she's just like, no, not in a million years. And, like, she's laughing with him, and she's so relieved. It's just very sweet. It's pretty good. Pretty good. And but then, of course, like, one of the first things he asks about is Angela, just because, like, of course. Jay's going to Jay. Jay is going to Jay. Yep. Will you take it from here? Yeah. So he says, he's like, you know, is there anything we can do for her? And Boyd, because Boyd's also in the room, Boyd's like, Jay, she tried to kill you. Like, no, she's going to jail. Yeah. And Both so, have valid points here, though. What? Both have valid points here, though. Yeah. No, I mean... She should be in jail. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter that you feel guilty and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, she still shot you. She deserves to be in jail. Mm-hmm. But so based on their conversation, Voight goes to pay Angela a visit. And he's like, we're going to fucking put a stop to this whole thing. And, you know, because Angela is still kind of threatening. She's like, I'll go tell people that, you know, this is what actually would happen, blah, blah, blah. And Voight tells her, he's like, you know, you got to ask yourself, like, how bad do you want to be right? You know, because she also has her son to think about. Like, if she goes to jail, then her son is without both parents now. And so Voight makes her this one-time offer that, like, you know, if she doesn't tell her story, you know, she doesn't have to go to jail. She could be with her son, et cetera, et cetera. But Voight's like, you know, this is a one-time offer. Like, if you decide to tell your story sometime down the road or down the line, like I will find you and I will bury you. Okay, so and he question. So, how do you feel about this outcome? Because I mean, I we, you know we've had some discussions in the past about how like what happened is horrible, and that there is a price to be paid. And so, for it to end this way, how do you feel about that? I mean. I don't know like I think I think I'm okay because Voight said what he said like I truly believe that she kind of learned her lesson and that if she does decide to say something Voight will like Voight will make her life a living hell and like she will die then Mm -hmm. um but I see what you're saying that like it's kind of anticlimactic at the end of the day because she didn't go to jail and um you know but i think it you know i think it's ultimately too for the better you know why should one why should the child have to suffer the loss of both parents true um i don't know it's hard it's like on the one hand i feel like she should go to jail but on the other hand like i'm also okay with it i just feel like that whole situation is it's just horrible. And so for them to just decide, like, we're just going to shut up about it, like, it is for the best because, I mean, that situation would only escalate and get worse. But also it's like, 
man, I don't know. It, it's not satisfying. It's, it's, it's unsatisfying. Really? Because I almost think, I mean, I see what your point is, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, I kind of am so, like, I don't know if I'd want this storyline. Like, if Angela did go to whoever and, like, tell her story and be like, oh, yeah, see, like, you know, it's really Jay Halstead's fault that my husband, you know, died in the jail, you know, like, whatever, whatever she says. Um, and then, like, I feel like that just drags into, like, storylines and storylines and storylines. Like, you know, like, it just, like, keeps going and, like, I'm so over it. Like, I'm ready to put this behind us and, like, move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, on the other hand, because I think that, too, was part of the mistake with, like, the Antonio Ruzik situation was it just kept going and going and going and then it gets brought back up again and then it goes and goes and goes like at least this yeah we may not like the ending and people may have issues with it but like it is clear it is over like it is done there is no like holes in the storyline like it is done it is wrapped up and we can all move on yeah Um, but yeah I think there's just no good way because I feel like too like, I don't know if I would be satisfied if she just went to jail. No, I mean, no, not at like, all. I, I don't feel like people are satisfied either way. Like, you would be satisfied either way. It's true. There is really so. no good outcome from this. Right. I don't think there's anything and that I, would be, we'd be satisfied with. Right. And I think, too, especially because, like, if it had just ended with, like, Angela getting taken away in handcuffs in that moment. Okay, fine. Sure. That is satisfying because we actually saw it happen. But when you ever you have like a situation like this where then we have to spend time with them and the aftermath of a situation, like I feel like then there's no good way for it to really wrap up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and like with that conversation, the Angela storyline is like officially wrapped up for, for the most part. Um, but then anyway, so we go back to the case. They track down um, Christie's cousin, Mitchell. And, and after like a very dramatic shootout, they bring him in for questioning. And so Mitchell's like, you know, my associate shot the homeowner, not me. Like it was, was you know but of course his associate is also dies in this crossfire so like nobody can question him to see if that's actually true or not you know all those things um but mitchell's like enters a deal with Boyd and basically gives up the guy who sold him the gun who of course was troy woodson christie's ex and the guy who got into it with jordan at the bar and of course trey has his own clothing store and guess who is his landlord Darius fucking Walker. Because of course. Because of course. Of course. They're really milking this Darius Walker storyline too. They really are. <laughs> I'm not terribly mad about that though because I love Michael Beach. Yeah, no, but it's just like when you see like recurring character, you're like, oh, okay, sure, recurring character. But like he is a really a recurring character. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jordan though shows up to the district. And he's waiting for Christy to be released because, as it turns out, Christy is his girlfriend. And that is the whole reason why he came back to Chicago in the first place. Uh, okay. Jordan. <laughs> so, okay. They never addressed this. And, like, I don't 
see why they would. But, like, how do him and Christy know each other? Like, are they the same age? I was wondering she that, too. If she's, work- if she's working in a bar and Jordan is theoretically still in high school, like, they can't be the same age. She has to be 21 and he's, like, under 18. Or 18, at least. Maybe he's, like, 18 on the dot now. Maybe. I don't I don't know. I just had questions. And then it's, like, okay, so, like, if you guys have known each other, like, how long have you been dating? Like, I just, like, you know, it's, like, all those questions that don't actually matter, but, like, I have questions about. No, right, and I was thinking about that, too. I, I, can't, I can't help but think that they, like, knew each other in school or something. Like, I don't, I don't want to think that this was, like, an online, like, Facebook relationship or something, but I think that's just me. I don't know. But she has to be 21 if she's working at a bar, and he is still in high school, right? I could see otherwise, why would he probably be, still be living with his aunt in Houston? That's true. I could I could see him being about Eva's age though, being about like eighteen, nineteen. Well, eighteen probably if you're still in high school. But yeah, I don't I don't know, I don't know. But anyway, either way, Kevin is not happy to hear that that is Chrissy's, like he's Chrissy's boyfriend, and Kevin's not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jordan doesn't listen and still like walks out of the district with Christy, and he just. Yeah. So Voight goes to meet up with Darius. And Darius, of course, has no idea about the guns. And Voight's like, we have a credible witness, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Darius like, yeah, who's your witness? And he's like, you know, Troy would never go behind my back um, and sell guns. But he, you know, Voight's like reminds him that they have a deal. And so Darius is just like, okay, I guess I'll look into it. And so they mic Darius up for a conversation with Trey. And Trey eventually does come clean to Darius that he is selling guns. Um, But Trey's like, you know, there was no way this is coming back to you or me. And then Darius is like, well, then why are we having this conversation? Um, But Darius, like, kind of changes topic and changes direction before Trey admits, like, where he keeps the guns. So then Voight confronts Darius about it. And, you know, Darius is like, I know what I was supposed to do. Like, all young men want to make it on the street, and the streets are going to end up killing them all. And Darius basically tells Boyd, he's like, you know, I'll finish my end of the bargain, but, like, I don't want to be there when you take him in. Like, you know, I I just, I can't take that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they set up a fake buy with Trey, but Trey doesn't show up. Like, one of his boys does. And so they end up, you know, pulling it one on him and, you know, capturing him. And so they interrogate that guy who basically is like, you know, trades at the crib, at the warehouse, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but when they show up to Trey's, like, warehouse, Trey's spot, they find Trey, who is dead, and 45 rifles. So Ruzik calls Kevin over to look at some security footage, which shows a clear view of the shooter. And who is it but Jordan? My heart sank when they showed him in the alleyway. I was like, no, oh my God. I know. I like, And I love, too, that Ruzik's first instinct is to tell Kev, like, he's like, you know, I got your back. Like, how do you want to play this? Um, but, like, Ruzik needs to also stay out of trouble. So, like, Ruzik, just, no. We can't have you hiding things for people anymore. Like, I love that your heart's in the right place, but, like, no. Adam's no, never no, going to no. learn, is he? He's never going to learn. Which never. is scary now that he's got a baby on the way. Uh, never. Just never. No. So, 
Kev goes to talk to Jordan, who says, he's like, I didn't shoot Dre, I promise. And he's like, you know, but he does tell Kev that Christy shot him. And he went in, cleaned everything up, like blood, fingerprints, etc., in order to protect her. And Kevin's like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> I can't believe you did that. Um, and he's like, well, where's the gun? And Jordan's like, well, I threw the gun in the river. And Kevin's like, you're a fucking idiot. And he's like, okay, like, you're going to go home. Like, you know, go back. He's like, you know, you're getting out of here. And Jordan's like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not how this goes. And Kevin's like, yeah, huh, this is how this goes. (laughs) But then Jordan just, like, you know, runs away and isn't having it. So Kev, though, instead of keeping it to himself, you know, he goes and admits everything that Jordan said to Voight, like, right away. Who basically says that, like, if they don't get out in front of it, like, it could end up really bad. So they say their best play is to get Christy to confess. So, of course, they bring her back in, interrogate her. She does finally confess. But still. Does she, though? Something's not feeling right. She, like, confesses. Yeah, she says, you know, she took the gun and shot him because she was talking about how she went back for her $1,000 and, you know, all that stuff. So this is (laughs) probably... Sorry. (coughs) This is probably way overthinking things here, but... The way she said it, she never actually said that she shot him. She said she grabbed the gun and pointed it at him. And then the next thing she said is that she heard a loud pop. So she- right, but I, th- I still think that's her confessing. I hope I so. think. But something still doesn't feel right. Right, same. And like it, so, but hold, hold, okay. So then we go back to med real quick. And we get like a pretty important scene here so Haley's like gonna pick up Jay for med and she literally starts to admit to him that like him being in surgery made her realize that she loves him but his phone ring her phone rings so she doesn't get a chance to say all that she was was literally about to admit though that she loves him I was like screaming at the screen I was like say it say it say it it's like one of those like twilight moments like say it out loud vampire (laughs) i love you (laughs) yeah but of course too like this call is from angela's son and jay like really wants to pick it up but Haley is just like no like you can't do that like we gotta like everyone's gotta start like a fresh clean start here like gotta let it go And so finally he does, and he, you know, doesn't answer. And he's like, I'm sorry, like, what were you going to say? And she's like, oh, it's nothing. She's like, Haley. Oh, my God. I feel like that means, though, like, we're going to get a confession this season at some point. Haley it is totally finale, but like sooner than that. You think it's going to be sooner than that? Uh, it, it'll probably be sometime in the back half. I don't know when, though. I don't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's sometime this season, but I don't know when. Haley is 100% the type to not even worry about the potential ramifications and just say it. Yeah, but I think it's going to take her now a long time to get there. Yeah, the more interruptions, the longer she's going to have to think about it. Right. I think when she says it, she's going to have no, like... She's not, like you said, not going to give two fucks that she said it, but I think it's going to take her a long time now to work up the courage again to say it. Man. So good. We were this close. So then, I know, we were so close. 
But then, so the episode ends, and we see Kevin's, like, out on the street somewhere, calling Jordan's phone. Jordan doesn't answer. He leaves him a message, and it's just like, bro, call me back. And, like, the episode fades to black. So, like, I'm worried. Yeah, no, same. Also, can we just give, like, Lori's, every time he gets, like, an episode with, like, some solid depth to it for Atwater, like, Lori puts on a fucking master class. Like, he's so damn good. He's so damn good. So good. I mean, everyone else is, too, but, like, Lori's, man, I just... Ugh. Crushes it, so always. Crushes. Yeah. So good. So, so good. I, yeah, this this episode was... It was good. It was good. Yeah, it was definitely... I mean, I didn't... I hated that we had to shoot day to get it, but, like, it was a solid, good episode. Yeah, let's not do that again for the foreseeable future. Or ever. Or ever. Yeah, that's fine, too. He's, he's, he's been shot now, what, like, three times? Yes. Yes, I say hesitantly. Yes. Four, if yes. you count the fact that he got shot twice in the crossover in season seven. But one got hit, one hit him in the vest, so maybe that doesn't count. And he didn't get beat up in three, or he just got beat up in 301, right? He didn't get shot? Right. Right. So... Yeah, then three. Let's just protect Jay at all costs, please. Protect Jay at all costs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where do you think they're going mm-hmm. with this Jordan thing? I don't know. It's also hard because, guys, remember, we're recording this early, so we haven't seen the previews for these right. episodes. So we have literally no idea. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. <laughs> I, have, I mean, I hope they're not going to kill Jordan. I hope they're not going to also, I, I mean, I, I, I second that for sure. But also when you think about it, it would spark a huge change in Kevin. I know, but like, <laughs> I just like want to cry thinking about it. No, I know. I'm with you on that. But I, uh, we never really got like the explicit explanation of why Kevin became a cop, did we? He never like ever out and told it to anybody, did he? Wait, say that again? Kevin, um, did he's never, like, we've never learned once in seven seasons, like, why he became a cop, have we? I don't think so. I mean... But it's like, my storylines are all running together. I can't help but imagine that part of it was to keep Vanessa and Jordan safe. Yeah, In I'm light sure. of having one parent in jail. Yeah, no, I'm sure, and just obviously being, like, blacks and the state of today. Yeah, I'm definitely sure. So, like, for them to kill Jordan and basically everything Kev tried to do, like, failing at what he tried to do, would just, like, tail... It wouldn't tailspin him, but it would be really interesting to watch him deal with. Well, and I'm sure, too, it would have an effect on the Bursics, too, mm-hmm. moving forward. And, like, the fact that they're going to have a baby and, like, obviously it's a very different situation because they're, unfor- you know, they're not black people in America. But still, like, I feel like that would have a huge effect on them too right. to watch their best friend go through this right right for the record i'm not saying i want it to happen i don't protect the atwater siblings at all costs but if they were to take it that way gosh yeah that'd be that'd be crazy would be so crazy i know it'd be awful any other notes about yeah. pd no i think that's it just thank god jay's alive thank god jay's alive yeah for sure um yeah so 
That's about all we've got for today, guys. You know where to find us, as always. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. If you like the show, which we really hope you do because you've made it all the way to the end of us rambling, please, please, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would so greatly appreciate it because it does help other people find the pod. Follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. Email us if you want. Meet us at molly's at gmail.com. Our inbox is wide open. You can talk to us about anything, including other things we're watching. We both watched Soundtrack over hiatus. It was fantastic. Um, Yeah. Otherwise, that's about it. So normal schedule for the foreseeable future. If anything goes whack, we will let you know. So everybody have a good weekend, and we will see you next week. Bye.